بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Recently I read in the news that there was a, a young woman who traveled from the UK to Sri Lanka because she was an adopted child and she was looking for her mother, her birth mother. Although she had two parents who fed her, clothed her, schooled her, educated her, took care of her, deep down she was agitated and unsettled because she didn't know who her real mother was. Hungry to know who her mother was, she set out, looking in every village until she found the mother that gave birth to her. Many of us, we know our parents who took care of us, they fed us, they educated us. But some of us do not know who our real mothers were. Allah says in the Quran, the Messenger وسلم, is more beloved to the believers than their own selves and his wives are their mothers. How much do we know about these mothers? How hungry are we to learn about who they are? Who were our mothers? Today we are going to discuss one of the mothers for all Muslims. Khadija bint Khuwailid radiallahu anha, the Prophet sallallahu first wife and arguably the most beloved wife to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi Khadija bint Khuwailid radiallahu anha, her story begins before Islam, before the Messenger sallallahu was a Prophet. Before Islam, she was known to be one of the most noble women from the tribe of Quraysh. She came from a wealthy lineage, she used to trade and she was married to men who were some of the most well-known, noble and wealthy men in Quraysh. Before she married the Prophet wasallam, she was married twice and both times her husbands passed away. So she was widowed twice before the Messenger First, she was married to Abu Hala ibn Zurara al-Tamimi and she had two children with him. And after that, she was married to Atiq ibn Abdullah al-Makhzumi, two men from very noble clans, noble tribes from Quraysh. And prestige was everything in those days. However, after her last husband passed away, for years she didn't get married. And she refused person after person who put their hand forward to request her hand in marriage. Amongst them was two very famous names, Abu Jahl and Abu Sufyan, who both proposed to Khadija radiallahu anha, but she refused. And so, having inherited from two husbands, as well as from her father who passed away, she was a very wealthy woman. But she was also one of the most intelligent women in Quraysh. She would reinvest her savings in trade, in business. And she would send over 600 camels every year to, to the Levant, to Asham, as well as to other parts of the world in order to trade her wealth, to buy and to sell, and to grow the wealth that she owned. What happens is that Khadija radiallahu anha, she comes across a little problem, which is what tends to happen with businessmen or traders. The way she would do it was she herself wouldn't go to Syria or to trade. Rather, she would hire men and have a contract with them called the Mudaraba contract, like a silent partner. 
So imagine one of us is hired. We don't have to pay anything to be part of this partnership, but we're told go and trade and you get 50% of the earnings. But what would happen is many of these traders would go and they would commit a little bit of fraud. They wouldn't show her how much they'd completely earned. You go to many shops today and they have cash only policy. Some of these traders were doing cash only policy. They weren't showing her their true earnings and they weren't giving her her rights, her haqq. And so it was, she was hard pressed to find a trustworthy individual. One day, she's with a companion of hers, Nafisa bint Umayyah. And Nafisa says to her that, look, you know, there's a young man that looks after my sheep. He's a shepherd, but he's extremely trustworthy and he's known as As-Sadiq Al-Ameen, the honest and the trustworthy. And he has experience traveling to Syria for trade because he used to go with his uncle Abu Talib. So why don't you approach him? At this point in time, another conversation is taking place. Abu Talib, the Prophet's uncle, who was a disbeliever, and he died a disbeliever. The Prophet's uncle, Abu Talib, was not well off. He was very poor. Although he was honorable and respected, he wasn't wealthy. And so he approaches the Prophet ﷺ and he says, Ya Muhammad, this woman Khadija keeps sending people for trade. Why don't you join one of her caravans? But the Prophet ﷺ had a quality of dignity. He said, I'm not going to go and ask her. If she's interested, she can approach me. And so he left it at that. And so Khadija anha hears about the, the character of this young man. And she sends someone to approach him to join her caravans going to Asham, to the Levant, in order to do trade. She sends with the Prophet wasallam one of her servants by the name of Maysara, a young man by the name of Maysara. And they set off on the journey. This isn't a quick journey you can take on the M1. This is a few months by camel. And when you travel with someone for a few months, you really get to know them. And Maysara is watching his every step. Where does he sit? Where does he stand? How does he sleep? Who does he talk to? How does he trade? How does he buy? And something strange happens on this trade journey. There seems to be a cloud that doesn't leave the top of the Prophet's head. Wherever he sits, the cloud seems to shade him. And Maysara is noting all of this, taking note, very perceptive, very observant. And something else happens. When they reach Asham and the Prophet begins to trade, she notices he's very ethical in his trade. If there's something wrong with what he's selling, he'll point it out straight away. That's rotten, that tomato is rotten. Straight away, his honesty, his character shone through. And something else happened. Maysara had never seen in his life prophets like the prophets that were brought by the Messenger He made so much money on that trip that Maysara was shocked. Something doesn't seem to be right. There's something special about this man. So Maysara returns to Khadija and begins to boast and brag to her about this man Muhammad. His ethical dealings, his honesty, his trustworthiness. And most of all, the profits that he brought home and that every penny he earned was disclosed to Khadija Khadija is amazed and she's interested and she's not been married for a long time and she's refused the hands of number of men that have approached her and note that Khadija was a monotheist she was a Hanifiyya she didn't worship idols 
So when somebody would approach her, somebody who was an idol worshipper like Abu Jahl or Abu Sufyan, she would be repulsed by them. She wouldn't be in interested in them. But this young man was different. And so Khadija radiallahu anha starts thinking, but she has not thought about him seriously just yet until her friend Nafisa comes to her again. And Nafisa says to her, what's stopping you from approaching this young man? Then Nafisa is sent. Khadija says, go and ask him, what's, is he interested in marriage? So Nafisa approaches the Prophet She says to him, what stops you from getting married? The Prophet says, I have no wealth to get married with. Mahar was a problem back then just as it was today. I don't have the money to spend on marriage. So Nafisa says, what if there was a woman who would stop you from having to spend money and who would save you the effort? He goes, who? Men here. And Nafisa says, Khadija bint Khuaydit. And the Prophet says something very profound. He says, وَكَيْفَ لِي بِذَاكَ How can I deserve someone like her? Or why would she approach me? This is the status of Khadija radiallahu anha. She was such a gentlewoman, such an honorable woman, so well known for her intelligence and her piety and her manners, that even the Messenger وسلم, says, why would she approach me for marriage? And Nafisa ensures him, she reassures him that, look, you don't have to worry about money. And after this, Khadija anha directly approaches him. Now something here is happening that was very uncommon in the days before Islam. And even today, who can tell me? What's very strange about this whole marriage proposal process? The woman approaches the man. It's very uncommon even today for a woman to propose to a man. It's usually the other way around. Women wait for suitors to come and knock the door. And so Khadija radiallahu anha, she broke those cultural norms and she expressed her interest in him. And she speaks to him directly and she says that I chose to approach you due to your character, due to your amana, your trustworthiness. Due to the, your place within the people, people's respect for you, etc. And then they go and they speak to their families. And the Prophet ﷺ comes to her house with Abu Talib, his uncle. And Abu Talib he gives a speech to introduce the Messenger. ﷺ. And he says, It is known that there is nobody in Quraysh more noble and more knowledgeable and more respected than Muhammad. Except for his wealth. He says, Wealth, Don't worry about wealth because it's like a shadow that, that fades at the end of the day. Wealth comes and it goes. So although Muhammad is lacking in his wealth, marry him for his character. And Khadija anha's uncles who are present at the time. They agree. And so she's married with the Prophet Now what is very common is the narration, the report that Khadija anha was 40 years old and the Prophet was 25 years old. But there's another famous narration that Khadija anha was 28 and the Prophet was 25. So these are two narrations about the age of Khadija anha and some contemporary scholars like Sheikh Akram Diya Al-Umari, Sheikh Saad Al-Khadlan, they both prefer this opinion that she was actually 28 and not 40 when the Prophet ﷺ married her. So they get married. 
and the most beautiful love story that ever existed in human history begins. The story of Khadija radiallahu anha and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He never marries another wife while being married to Khadija radiallahu anha. And for the 10 plus, 15 plus years that he's married to her, close to 25 years they remain married, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam doesn't marry another wife. And multiple children are born from Khadija. All of his sons except Ibrahim are born from Khadija radiallahu anha. And a number of his daughters. And so, this continues. Now the household of Khadija radiallahu anha, many of us might think it's just a household with her children with the Prophet Actually her household, she has children from previous marriages. And then the children of the Prophet And then Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu, who was the Prophet cousin. But because Abu Talib was poor, the Prophet tried to reduce his burden and take some of his children. So he took Ali ibn Abi Talib. And then Zayd ibn Haritha, who the Prophet ﷺ adopted as a son. This is a very large household. And they were very accommodating. And Khadija anha never complained. Who are all of these children? Who are these other cousins of yours that I have to take care of? She never complained. And one of the most phenomenal things about their marriage, is what Ibn Hajar rahimahullah mentions in Fathul Bari, that she never had an argument with him in 25 years of marriage. And no other wife of the Messenger had that privilege. The marriage continues, and the Prophet begins to see dreams. We know from one of the first ahadith in Sahih al Bukhari How did revelation begin? It began with a ru'ya sadiqa, true dreams that the Prophet used to see. And he would wake up from these dreams disturbed, confused. What does it mean? And who would he confide in him? Who would he confide in? His wife, Khadija radiallahu He's not sure what these dreams mean. He's not sure what the interpretation is. Where is it leading him? And Khadija radiallahu anha, consistently she reassures him, don't worry. This isn't an evil sign. You're not possessed. There's nothing wrong with you. And the Prophet sallallahu starts feeling a craving to be by himself. So he would go and he would stay in the cave of Hira for a number of days. And he would go and stay in the cave of Hira and Khadija wouldn't complain, she would support him. She would send him food. She would sometimes make the long journey from their house to the cave of Hira just to provide him with provision so he could continue staying there. Whichever direction he went, she supported him silently, reassuringly. And whenever he was disturbed, he knew she was there at home. That peace and that source of contentment was there for him to return to. And one day, while he's in the cave of Hira, the angel Jibreel descends to the Prophet and squeezes him, as you all know, three times. And he recites the first five verses of the Quran that get revealed. خَلَقَ الْإِنسَانَ مِنْ عَلَقَ اِقْرَأْ وَرَبُّكَ الْأَكْرَمُ الَّذِي عَلَّمَ بِالْقَلَمُ عَلَّمَ الْإِنسَانَ مَا لَمْ يَعْلَمُ And the Messenger وسلم, what's his reaction to this? He is scared and he's shocked. And he runs down the hill, he runs down the mountain from the cave of Hira. And those who've made the trip to Umrah, you know, that if you've climbed that mountain 
to the cave of Hira, and now it's a paved road. It's a long journey. It's not a trip around the corner. It's like an hour of walking. And that's with a paved road up the hill. So he runs. Imagine how long that journey was. And as he's running down, every tree gives him salam. And every rock says salam to him. Assalamu alayka ya Rasulullah. And the Prophet sallallahu rushes. And where is he going to? You know, later in his life, there's a famous hadith. That if something would shock him, hurt him, agitate him, worry him, he would rush to pray salah. And he would say, Arihna biha ya Bilal. Oh Bilal, give me peace. Call the adhan. That was his source of peace. That was his fountain of calm. That was his, his therapy was salah. But before salah existed, who was his source of calm? Who was his source of peace? Who was the one he would go to for that emotional fulfillment? Who would take care of him? Khadija radiallahu anhu. As he descends from this mountain and he bursts through the door, he says the famous words, Zammiluni, Zammiluni, Dathiruni, Dathiruni. Cover me, wrap me. And Khadija radiallahu anha wraps him and she holds him tight until the fear leaves him. And he says to her, after telling her the story, Inni khashitu ala nafsi. I'm scared for myself. What does that mean? He was scared that he might be possessed by a jinn. Or he might have lost his mind. He wasn't sure what was happening. He was still in shock. And in that moment of shock, in that moment of self-doubt, Khadija radiallahu anha, she says some words. If this was the only sentence Khadija radiallahu anha ever said in her life, it would have been enough to know her status. Kalla wallahi. She says, no way, by Allah, I swear by Allah, Allah would never humiliate you by making you lose your mind or making you possessed. You are the one, you stand up for the weak and the downtrodden. You entertain your guests. You are there for the needy. A man with your character, Allah would never humiliate. Answer me one question. How did Khadija speak on behalf of Allah? How does she know what Allah would do and wouldn't do? Allah is not revealing Quran to her. She's not a prophet. She's not a messenger. How did she know in that moment what to say to the Prophet This is the wisdom of Khadija This is why she is special. This is why she was known as Sayyidatun Nisa'i Quraysh, the princess of the people of Quraysh, of the women of Quraysh. There was no woman like her. And she reassures him in that moment of uncertainty, in that moment of doubt, in that moment of fear. And this starts a pattern that continues for the worst years of his life. Every time he comes home, after the Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayt throws camel dung on his head, after he's hit, beaten, screamed at, Cursed at, he comes home and who does he find? The warmth, the reassurance, and the softness of Khadija radiallahu And she says to him, come with me now to my uncle, Waraqa ibn Nawfal. And so she takes him to Waraqa, who becomes one of the earliest Muslims after Khadija. But by her reassuring him, something very profound happens. She becomes the first Muslim to accept Islam on the hands of the Messenger And there's one interesting thing. He didn't give her da'wah. 
He never invited her to Islam. He never said, why don't you believe in my message? He just came down fearful and uncertain and she said, don't worry. You came with a message from Allah. You are a messenger. Don't worry. Allah would never humiliate you. She believed before he was on a mission. Before he started da'wah, she was the first believer. And what an honor and what a status to have for Khadija radiallahu anha, the first Muslim in the history of Islam, the first person to accept Islam. Khadija radiallahu anha then takes the Prophet sallallahu to her cousin Waraq ibn Nawfal. And Waraq ibn Nawfal hears the story and he tells him, I wish I was here when your people kick you out of Makkah. If I was here, if I'm here, Allah gives me life, I will be your support. And who's listening when he says this? Khadija radiallahu She realizes the burden that's about to be unleashed onto her shoulders. And that burden is the support being the backbone of the Prophet He has no crutches. He has no wheelchair. He has no backbone, but he has Khadija radiallahu After Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, she is his support. His moral, emotional, religious, spiritual support, she is there for him. And she continues to be that for him. And every time he comes home, she's there. And Khadija radiallahu anha, in her gentleness, in her love, and in her care, she gives him the best years of his married life, of his life as a married man. He never again after Khadija experiences marriage and love like the love that Khadija radiallahu anha gives him. Such that he says in a famous hadith, Inni ruziqtu hubbaha. Allah placed her love in my heart. Allah nurtured her love in my heart. That was a rizq from Allah. It came from the sky. I don't know how it happened. Inni ruziqtu hubbaha. Allah gifted it to me. And that was the love that Khadija radiallahu anha had for the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa she would support him with her wealth. She would support him with food. She would support him emotionally. Any form of support he needed, she was there. And she guaranteed the continuity of his strength. Because we, he knew that the moment he would step out of his house, the world would come to beat him up and push him to his knees. But he knew that when he would fall to his knees, after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he had Khadija radiallahu anha. The years passed by. And the Meccan years are years of difficulty, of suffering, of persecution. And as the Prophet ﷺ in these years constantly relies on Khadija radiallahu Until the time comes in which the Muslims are boycotted. They retreat to Shib of Abi Talib, a valley, remote valley in the suburbs beyond Mecca. And they're not allowed to have, nobody's allowed to trade with them or marry in them or give them money, nothing. And even in this year, Khadija bint Khalid radiallahu anha reaches out to her cousin, Hakim ibn Hizam. And he sends food and wealth and tries to help the Muslims. Until the year comes, the 10th year of the Prophet's mission. Also known as the year of sadness and sorrow. And this year is known as the year of sadness and sorrow for one reason and one reason only. The death of Khadija radiallahu The Prophet wasallam. the historians, they differ whether it was three days apart or a number of months apart. First, he loses Abu Talib, his uncle, his political support, the man who stood up against the Quraysh, and then in quick succession, he loses his beloved, his supporter, his wife, Khadija bint Khalid radiallahu anha. 
and he was never seen more sad, more upset than the day his wife died. And that year became known as the year of sadness, the year of sorrow. And Khadija radiallahu anha, even after she passes away, after roughly 25 years of marriage, where he never married anyone after Khadija, her memory remains so fresh in his mind that it begins to annoy his other wives. In fact, the vast majority of ahadith of narrations about Khadija come from Aisha radiallahu anha. And what does Aisha radiallahu anha say about Khadija? مَا غِرْتُ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ مِنْ نِسَاءِ مُحَمَّدٍ صلى الله عليه وسلم كَمَا غِرْتُ عَلَىٰ خديجة. I was never more jealous of a woman than I was of Khadija Because the Prophet used to mention her so often and talk about her so often that Aisha عنها, used to become jealous, she used to become envious. And one day Aisha عنها, the Prophet وسلم, is at home and he hears a knock on the door. Who's at the door? Hala bint Khuwailid, the sister of Khadija. And she asks permission to enter the house. Can I come in? And he says, Allahumma Hala bint Khuwailid. Oh Allah, it's Hala bint Khuwailid. Fartaha li dhalik. The hadith says, he suddenly felt a sense of peace and happiness to hear her voice. Because her voice was like the voice of Khadija. And when he heard her voice, he felt so much happiness. Allahumma Hala bint Khuwailid. At which point Aisha radiallahu anha becomes upset. Why are you always remembering Khadija radiallahu anha? So she says, Why do you keep remembering Ajuzatun min Ajaizi Quraysh, an old woman from Quraysh? A woman with no teeth in her mouth who died a long time ago and Allah gave you a better wife than her. This is what she said to the Prophet. And the Prophet ﷺ in Hadith Ibn Hibban, His face became red and bulged with anger. The same way it would become red when revelation would descend, he became furious. He said, Wallahi, I swear by Allah, ma abdalani Allahu khayran minha. Allah never replaced her with a better wife. Innaha kanat wa kanat wa kanat. In the Hadith, Aisha doesn't mention what he would say, but she says, the Prophet ﷺ mentions and keeps praising her. She was this and she was that and she was this. But Aisha doesn't mention what was the Prophet ﷺ saying. Because of her jealousy for Khadija. And it was a positive jealousy. It wasn't a negative jealousy that she hated her or anything like that. But it was a positive jealousy that how is this woman have such a special place in the Prophet ﷺ's heart? And one day, the Prophet ﷺ, whenever he would slaughter an animal, he would cut it to pieces and he would send a portion of it to the friends of Khadija. And Aisha says in a hadith, It's like there's no one in the world except Khadija to this man. There's no one in existence except Khadija. And the Prophet says in the famous hadith, She is the only one who believed in me when everyone rejected me. And she provided for me with her finances when everyone was dried up and wasn't happy to provide for me. She was there and she was there and she was there. And that's why I remember her to my dying day. This was Khadija radiallahu anha and who she was to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa The Prophet sallallahu says about Khadija, Khairu nisa'iha Khadija. The best woman of this era is Khadija radiallahu anha. There was no woman better than her. 
And when Aisha radiallahu anha, when she mentions these things, famous hadith of Abu Huraira radiallahu anha comes to mind. Something special that Khadija radiallahu anha got which no human being has ever gotten other than the prophets. One day, the Prophet sallallahu is at home and Jibreel alayhi the angel Jibreel comes to him. And Jibreel alayhi says, is that Khadija coming with a pot of food? He says, tell her, Allah salam, Allah gives her his salam. Imagine, Allah greeted her and Jibreel alayhi greeted her. No human being has ever had that privilege since. That was the status of Khadija radiallahu anha. What lessons can we learn from the life of Khadija radiallahu anha? One of the first lessons we learn from the life of Khadija radiallahu anha is from the perspective of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. If you want to achieve anything worth salt in this life, you need a support system. You need the K factor. You need something like Khadija radiallahu anha. You need somebody to reassure you, to support you, to finance you, to be there for you. Because if you are going to seek knowledge, or if you are going to stand up to oppression, or if you are going to teach, or in any way, shape or form, you are going to be someone who wants to do something good in this life, be ready for the lashback, the backlash that you're going to receive from people. And when that backlash comes, yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is your support. And Allah subhanahu your sujood is your moment of contentment, but you also need people. And you need people like Khadija radiallahu anha. The Prophet sallallahu relied on her so much in the toughest years of his life. The second thing we learn is never underestimate the power of a sentence. The Prophet sallallahu says, "Inna al-abda la Some of you may say a sentence. La and you pay no attention to the sentence. But the consequences that this word, the sentence you said was so negative, you could fall 70 depths into the fire of hell. Or you may say a good word, a pleasant word, with a sincere intention, and that might reach you to the top ranks of paradise. Never underestimate a sentence. One sentence that changed the life of the Prophet is that sentence Khadija said radiallahu anha. Don't doubt yourself, O Muhammad. Allah would never humiliate you with insanity, nor with possession by jinn, because you are a special person of special character. And had she not said that sentence, we don't know what would have happened. Allah placed those words in her mouth. Never underestimate a good word. The Prophet says, Never underestimate the tiniest good deed. Even if it is to just smile at your brother, you don't know which of those small deeds on the Day of Judgment will come like a mountain in weight, even if it was small in quantity. The third thing that we learn from the life of Khadija radiallahu anha is that when it comes to finding a spouse, finding a partner for life, husband or wife, Character speaks more volumes than wealth. It's so often that a young man and a young woman come to me and they say, we want to get married, but my parents say no. The man's earning a good salary, he's established financially, but he doesn't own a house and he doesn't own a fancy car and he hasn't been working for 10 years, so the family says no. He's not financially established enough. Khadija radiallahu anha before she looked at the wealth of the Prophet ﷺ, she looked at his character. 
And there was nobody who could compete in, with his character. So she went for him. Sometimes the superficial things stand out to us. The glitter, the glamour. And we have so many requirements for marriage, this profession, those looks, this kind of masala in the curry, that we somehow overlook the core and the most important thing, which is character. And Khadija radiallahu anha didn't overlook that, which is why Allah blessed her with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa The fourth thing we learned from the life of Khadija radiallahu anha is how to support the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa after his death. The greatest supporter for the Prophet without a doubt was Khadija radiallahu His greatest support. But how did she support him? We live in an era of Prophet bashing. Where it's very easy and quick for people to insult the Prophet or call him names. Or attribute to him things that are, would not even come to our imagination. To draw cartoons of him, to insult him, to slander him. And what happens in very many Muslim countries is when something like this happens, they become enraged and they start to burn tires on the road. What would Khadija radiallahu anha do when the Prophet was insulted? How would she support the Messenger sallallahu With her wealth, with her reassurance, with her da'wah, with herself. And that's how we should support the Prophet sallallahu after his passing. Allah says in the Quran, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِن تَنصُرُوا اللَّهَ يَنصُرْكُمْ يَنصُرْكُمْ وَيُثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَكُمْ Believers, if you stand up in support for Allah, Allah will support you and He will give you firm footing. So when all of this stuff happens, who's going to stand up to defend the Messenger وسلم, intellectually? Who, who is going to teach their children and read them bedtime stories about the life of the Messenger وسلم, and his wives and his companions and instill that love in their hearts? Who is going to say Who's going to remember him in his absence? Who's going to support him through donations to causes that stand up to defend him? Who's there today? Who's going to be like Khadija the fifth thing we learn from the life of Khadija radiallahu anha is that she was remembered by the Messenger sallallahu alayhi for decades after she passed because of her treatment of him. And there's something very incredible about Khadija radiallahu anha. Khadija radiallahu anha never wore the hijab as we know it today. She never prayed Fajr, Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib or Isha. She never fasted Ramadan. She never went to Hajj. She never gave zakah. Because she died before these rulings came down in the Quran. But her station with Allah is so high. And the effect she had on the Messenger وسلم, was never forgotten because of her sincerity, because of her character, because she touched him in the depths of his heart. Sometimes we think that to our mothers, our fathers, our spouses, our children, we try to do a lot of quantity. We try to do things for them, but we forget that sometimes the thing they need most is the human touch. That sincere love. They don't need that 200 pound gift voucher that we're sending them for John Lewis. They don't need that expensive smartphone. They need that telephone call every week to ask, how are you? I'm concerned about you. 
Where is that sincerity in our human relationships? Such that if we were to deal with people like that, then once we pass away and we are gone, we will long never be forgotten because of the impact we had on their lives, the sincerity we brought to those relationships, rather than the superficiality, the artificial things that we worry about. And this is what Khadija radiallahu anha brought to those relationships. And what little worship she did with the little knowledge she had was because of the sincerity in her worship. Like I said, she may not have worn the hijab as we know it today or prayed Fajr, Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib or Isha but her station with Allah is higher than the station of many of us or any of us because of the sincerity she brought to worship and the support she gave the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. These are the lessons we learn from the life of Khadija radiallahu anha and this is a summary of her life and her story. May Allah make us like her and allow us to remember her and teach her story to our children and especially Muslim women, for them to think about the effect she had on her spouse and the effect she had on Muslims and how they can as well remember her and be like her as spouses and as partners. And for men as well, not exclusively for women. Anything good I said from Allah, any mistake I made is from myself and from the shaitan. Jazakumullahu khairan for your time and for listening. Barakallahu fikum wal'afu minkum. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala nabiyyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wa alaykum. ورحمة الله تعالى